This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Tuesday, November 30th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air on the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on Tuesdays. We always remember to pray to our guardian angels, asking them for help in our everyday lives. Now, something big is about to happen starting tomorrow, December 1st. The U.S. Supreme Court will be hearing the Dobbs case, a case whose outcome could make abortion illegal in the United States and save countless lives, millions of unborn babies. Prayer changes history. We've seen before and we'd like to see it again. Please pray with us for Our Lady's intercession that the justices be wise and courageous and make the right decision. The more people pray together, the stronger the prayers. These are truly historic moments. So let's make history together. Join Father Rocky tonight at 7 p.m. Central for the Family Rosary Across America on Relevant Radio. And we continue to pray with so many across our nation for this very important intention. And we start every hour and every day in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings to the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Isaiah 2.5. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. In the Northern Hemisphere, the days are growing ever darker as we approach the shortest and darkest day of the year, the winter solstice on December 21st. From a spiritual perspective, we have the light of the Lord. We prepare during this time of Advent for the coming at Christmas of the Christ child. Jesus is the light of the world, and if we believe in Christ, we will not walk in darkness. Let us pray with great confidence always. Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. 
Now, on December 8th, the Catholic Church celebrates the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Today, November 30th, we start the traditional novena in preparation for this beautiful Marian feast day. What does the Catholic Church teach about the dogma of the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother Mary? Joining us now to talk about the novena to the Immaculate Conception is Catholic evangelist Omar Aguilar, the Director of Religious Education for Mary Immaculate Church in Farmers Branch, Texas, in the Diocese of Dallas. Omar is also the host of several Catholic and pro-life programs on Spanish radio and television, and the author of the book, Latino Catholicos en los Estados Unidos, Latino Catholics in the United States. Good morning, Omar. Welcome back to Morning Air. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Happy Advent. Happy Advent and happy Tuesday, and great to be back, John. Well, let's talk about uh, novenas in, in general. Uh, why do we, as Catholics, uh, pray novenas uh, here in anticipation of, of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception? But uh, for many, today is also the beginning of the St. Andrew novena that uh, uh, lasts uh, throughout this month of December. Oh, definitely. And Advent, it's, it's a time of novenas. And then in a few days, we'll be starting the novena to Our Lady of Guadalupe. So, so novenas are ever so present during, particularly during, during Advent. And the novena, it's, it's, it's a special time. It's nine days of prayer and, and waiting. It's nine days of hope. I remember, uh, Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit and they spent nine days praying together. Uh, it's good to remember as well that our Blessed Mother was there with them when they were praying, when they were doing this novena. And so a novena, if, you, if we want to see it, John, it's, it's a time for the communion of saints to come together. It's a time of waiting. It's a time where we grow in our relationship with God and whether it be in good times or whether, or, or whether it be in troubled times. So a novena, these nine days, it's always a very unique and a special time that we give ourselves so we can grow in a relationship to with God so we can ask him for a favor so we can give him thanks for something regardless good times or troubled times a novena is, is a particular time where we where we create this deeper relationship and connection with God and the purpose of uh, this novena to the Immaculate Conception is to open our hearts uh, to the presence of, of our Blessed Mother uh, and the teaching the dogma of the Immaculate Conception can you give us a, a little a thumbnail sketch uh, about uh, this dogma, what the Catholic Church uh, believes, and, uh, and how it was defined. Well, we always hear that the church moves in centuries, not in years, and this dogma truly proves that. Uh, one, for, one thing that we need to know right away is that uh, the devotion, the understanding of the particular and very profound place in our blessed matter in the history of humanity, in the history of salvation, is being known through the centuries, through the years. We can go back as the, as the third century to find out one of the first prayers to our blessed mother. Remember, we fly to thy protection, a holy mother of God. We were praying for her protection, for her help, for her intercession, all the way back to the third century and even probably before that. So we have always known that Mary holds a particular place, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception that was defined, that was making, that was defined back in 1854, clearly just brings all of that together and teaches us that by, by Christ, she was preserved from sin, from the moment of her conception, that her soul was created. From the first moment, she was immaculate. 
She was sinless. She was spotless because she was going to become the mother of the Savior. And hence for him to come into the earth, into the world to save us needed a sacred vessel, a sacred space. And that was Mary. And so it's beautiful that through the centuries we know this and it was defined about 200 years ago. But Through the centuries, we know that Mary holds a special place in God's heart, but also in the history of salvation. And Omar, like you said, uh, this is a teaching that goes all the way back to the earliest of times, uh, to the uh, to the early church, uh, the understanding uh, that the Blessed Mother Mary was preserved from original sin, but it wasn't formally defined until uh, Pope Pius IX uh, in 1848 uh, officially um, declared uh, uh, this dogma of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, th- this is a, a, a teaching that also has a, sp- uh, a scriptural basis uh, for it. Uh, we see in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke in Luke 128, uh, when the angel Gabriel calls the Blessed Mother Mary full of grace. Full of grace. Uh, that means there is no space for any kind of sin. Uh, she is full of God's grace. And and this is the, the scriptural basis uh, that we understand uh, for the Immaculate Conception. Absolutely. Kekarikatomene, it's the Greek word that the angel Gabriel uses to refer to Mary during the, during the Annunciation. And, and, and it is used in a very singular and unique way, like it's not used not before or after that. This message from the angel clearly states that Mary is in perfect state of full of grace, meaning from eternity, meaning forever and ever. And so, and once again, we only hear that this term used this one particular time, clearly defining and stating the unique place of Mary. And, and, and in the encyclical of that you were just referring a minute ago, the uh, Pope uh, Blessed Pius IX, you know, gave us in 1845, it is, it is defined and, and, and we're told that, you know, that we had Noah's Ark, we had, we had the covenant. We had the burning bush. We had all these instances where God was present when we were close to him. These, all these sacred places, sacred objects. But no one comes close to our blessed mother. No one comes close to Mary herself. And so that's why this, this dogma that has been known through the centuries and now more than ever we need to kind of keep it alive and, 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 and show it and leave it that because of the grace of his son or savior or blessed Mary was preserved from sin was spotless and up to this day she keeps referring us to Jesus remember the last words that we know that Mary spoke are in the gospel of John when she tells the servants do what he tells you to do do what he tells you and that's always been Mary's message always that we can follow his son her son Absolutely. And this is a singular privilege that was given to the Blessed Mother Mary in view of our Lord Jesus Christ's merits. Jesus was still Mary's Savior. She needed a Savior. Uh, But this is a singular privilege, this Immaculate Conception uh, dogma uh, that the Catholic Church teaches. Uh, I I love the the actual uh, words of uh, Pope Pius IX uh, in that encyclical, uh, Inefabilis Deus, when he says, the most blessed Virgin Mary from the 
first moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege from Almighty God and by virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, was preserved immune from all stain of original sin. And that really uh, sums it up, uh, Omar. Oh, absolutely. And, and once again, you know, uh, this is the mystery of the love of God that from eternity, he knew that he was going to need a mother. He was that he was going to need one singular person to become the mother of the Savior, to be spotless, to be sinless. And this was and is the role of our blessed mother. And we through the centuries, we have known this. We have getting to understand this even more. And it's still, it's a mystery that we can never, never fully, fully comprehend. But nonetheless, we know that she holds a special place in the heart of Jesus. We know that she needs to hold that special place also in our lives, in our families, in our household, in our communities. We're joined uh, by Omar Aguilar, Catholic evangelist, talking about the Novena to the Immaculate Conception, which begins uh, today. We also know, uh, Omar, uh, that the Immaculate Conception holds a special place in the history of our Catholic Church here in this country. Can you talk a little bit about that connection? Yes, it, it is quite interesting that back in the eight, eight, 1846, a few years after, I think like seven seven or eight years before the dogma was promulgated, the, the bishops, the bishops in the United States during one of the councils in Baltimore in 1846 decided, and, and obviously guided by the, by the Holy Spirit, to place the United States under the patronage and protection of our Blessed Mother under the title of her Immaculate Conception. So back in 1846, they petitioned to the Pope to place the United States under the protection and patronage of the of our Blessed Mother under the Immaculate Conception. And a year later, in 1840, 18, 1847, uh, Pope uh, Pius IX officially named the Blessed Virgin Mary under the patronage of the Immaculate Conception as a patroness of the United States. So the United States, it's under the, prote the protection of our Blessed Mother under the Immaculate Conception. And Omar, um, we, we can prepare uh, for this beautiful feast day to our Blessed Mother of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th every day, starting today uh, with this uh, novena to the Immaculate Conception. Uh, can you talk uh, about uh, the novena and, and some of the different things that we will be meditating on in the upcoming days? Absolutely. And, and you can find uh, and a few different novenas, right? Uh, you can pretty much customize a novena because once again, maybe you'll be going through some trouble times. Maybe you need a, a particular favor, a particular petition. But throughout the next nine days, we'll be, we'll be jumping into more this mystery of the love of God through the Immaculate Conception of Mary that is going to lead us. Remember, because Advent is this time where we're preparing ourselves, preparing our houses to receive baby Jesus to receive Christ into our life. So this novena is an excellent, it's a perfect way to start preparing ourselves, preparing our lives, preparing our souls, our minds, our hearts for the coming of Jesus. And so this novena can be also a, a very, a very, very important time for our families where we can teach our kids, where we can share with our families the importance of the presence of Mary in our lives. Remember, she's always been there. She was there when Jesus was born. She was there when the church was conceived, when the church was born. She's always been there with us, with the church, with 
with the flock. And so we need to, if she's not part of our household, we need to bring her in. We need to invite her to be with us. So this novena can be this, this for us, opening the door to our blessed mother. And uh, on this day, this first day of the Novena to the Immaculate Conception, uh, uh, we can meditate on uh, Mary as the new Eve. Uh, Mary's obedience uh, untied the knot of disobedience of Eve. That's why we think of her as the new Eve. Can you, can you talk about this beautiful teaching uh, that was introduced to us by the early church fathers, by uh, fathers like St. Justin Martyr, St. Irenaeus, Tertullian, who, who taught uh, about the, the the Blessed Mother early on. Yeah, these four days we, we meditate in the fiat, in the trust of Mary, in the words of the angel, be done unto me according to thy word. And it was this obedience that saved the world. Remember at the beginning, the disobedience of Eve and Adam right, brought us into sin. And now, at the moment of salvation in this particular time in history, the obedience of one single person, our Blessed Mother, brought to us the salvation. It's on this first day, we meditate in this fiat, in this complete trust of Mary in the word of the angel, in the plan of God, reverting that first mistake and becoming now the vessel, the sacred place where Jesus was to be born. Uh, some of the other uh, meditations throughout the novena on day two, we meditate on a Mary full of grace, who we mentioned is the scriptural basis uh, for the Immaculate Conception. Uh, Mary, the handmaid of the Lord. Uh, Mary, blessed among women, a model of faith, co-redemptrix, uh, the first uh, of those who heard the word of God and did it. Uh, um, and finally, it, it concludes on the last day with uh, Mary, mother of God and our mother. And, and really, I think that that is, uh, such a, a beautiful uh, aspect of, of this uh, devotion, this novena to the Immaculate Conception, is she uh, truly not only is the mother of God, but she is our mother as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and once again, she holds a sp special place in, in the history of salvation by the design, by the will of God. And, 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 and we should always be amazed by, the, by this, right? He could have done it in any other possible way, right? He could have just sent Jesus straight down from just bringing down from heaven. But yet he decided to make us, the human, the human race, part, to be part, active participation in the salvation of ourselves. So it's, it, it, it's, it's a mystery that we can only rejoice, that we can only contemplate and be thankful. Be thankful for our Blessed Mother. Be thankful for her fiat, for her total trust. Be thankful for everything that she keeps doing. And one thing to remember, John, uh, is that after the, uh, the dogma was proclaimed by, by Pope uh, uh, Pius IX, a few years later, in 18, 18, 1854, or blessed mother appeared to a, a to a young girl, and she declared herself the immaculate conception. So it's quite interesting the times where all this happened. And and once again, a few years later, in 1854, a young peasant girl in France had several apparitions of her blessed mother, and and she told us, "I am the immaculate conception," just kind of to confirm 
these that we know through the ages. That's a, a great point. And that young girl, of course, uh, would be uh, Saint uh, um, uh, in Lourdes, uh, the the uh, Bernard, Saint yeah, Bernadette yeah. Subaru yeah. of of Lourdes, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, had those incredible visions of our, our Blessed Mother. And uh, this is we're talking about somebody that uh, was not trained in theology, had no idea what the Immaculate Conception meant, and yet the Blessed Mother appeared to her and called herself. I am the Immaculate Conception. In fact, those very words appear mm-hmm. under uh, the statue uh, of the Blessed Mother at Lourdes uh, to this day. Absolutely. So it's beautiful that, that we can see that uh, that confirmation, right? That after four, after a few years, uh, that it was proclaimed a dogma. Our Blessed Mother came to us and kind of confirmed that I am truly, indeed, I am the Immaculate Conception. And for us, it's thanks be to God. Omar, a final thought uh, on how uh, all of us can uh, prepare with our families uh, for uh, this Feast of the Immaculate Conception coming up on December 8th. Well, the, the, the first and most important thing to remember that Jesus born, was born into a, into a family. And so for us, I guess this is a good time to be a family again. Maybe we're being too busy doing whatever it is that we're doing, working, studying, going, doing all these different things. Maybe this is, this is a perfect time to kind of take a step back, to stop for a minute and become once again a family, uh, to be together, to spend some time together, to do this novena together, to to come together, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, but this particular time, it's important for us to be back to the basics, to become once again a family as God intended. Well, Omar, as always, uh, thanks so much for being with us. Um, I really appreciate your insights and uh, many blessings here during this Advent season. Likewise to everyone, many blessings. Omar Aguilar, Director of Religious Education for Mary Immaculate Church in Farmers Branch, Texas. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we'll discuss the saints and souls of Africa here at the end of Black Catholic History Month here in in November with Deacon Martin Brown. Don't change that dial. We've got a lot more to talk about as Morning Air continues. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 30 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning and being with us. Our number to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, back in 1990, November was designated as Black Catholic History Month to celebrate the long history and proud heritage of Africa and the African diaspora to the Catholic Church. Did you know that there are over 900 African and black saints, blesseds, venerable, and servants of God in the Catholic Church? Now joining us is Deacon Martin Brown to talk about the Black Catholic History Month that we're celebrating here in November and the many saints and souls of Africa throughout the history of the Church. Deacon Martin is from Gary, Indiana. He was named after Blessed St. Martin de Porres. He's married to the beautiful Maria. He's a father of three and was ordained as a permanent deacon back in 2009 in the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Good morning, Deacon Martin. Welcome back to Morning Air. Great to be with you once again. Thanks uh, so much uh, for joining us. Good morning, John. 
Happy Happy Advent. Happy Advent to you, Deacon. Uh, a lot of folks may not be even aware that there is such a thing as a Black Catholic History Month. Uh, why is this month of November designated as Black Catholic History Month? Well, back in um, 1990, the, the Black Catholic clergy determined that there are um, several saints in this month, um, St. Martin de Porres, um, St. Uh, there's three or four saints in this month, and there's also St. Augustine's birthday is this month. And they determined that this would be a good month for us to celebrate the heritage of Africa and the African diaspora, which has been a part of the church from the very inception, and very, very rich part of the church from the very beginning. So they, they, they determined we should celebrate what, what our contributions because uh, the story of black, uh, black and African um, people in the, in the church has not really been told very well. And one of the things that I've been doing for the last several years is working on researching and seeing who these people are. And there's, there's a fair number of books and things that are out there. Um, Bishop Perry, uh, auxiliary bishop in Chicago, he's probably the leading authority in the country on this. Um, but there's quite uh, quite a number of of, of saints that we already know about, um, that you know, pe- people see every day that they didn't even realize that they were out of Africa. Absolutely. A couple that you mentioned, uh, St. Martin de Porres, uh, St. Augustine. Uh, St. Martin de Porres, uh, many people uh, would would associate as a, a black a saint, uh, but, but St. Augustine perhaps is one that many may not think of uh, when, when they think of, uh, of the deep, uh, rich history of, uh, of black saints. And, you know, when we have in the church, we have what are called the, the doctors. And a doctor of the church is a person whose teachings of the faith have been determined to be sound and beneficial to the church through their writings and, and, and or research, along with significant theological contributions that the person may have made. And um, all doctors of the church are canonized saints. And um, like I think then and there you can become a doctor of the church by through um, a papal uh, proclamation, or you may be named through an ecumenical council. So, um, and the and the first ones were um, installed in 1298, and one of those four was Saint Augustine, who was the bishop of Hippo, Hippo, which is and now it would, what we would call Algeria, a city called um, Annaba. And there's a, his, his basilica is there, and it, it was finished around 1900, and it overlooks the town from the south of the town. You know, we also know about his mother, Monica, who everybody knows is the patron saint of, of lost causes, because she was all over the ancient world praying for him and talking to everybody she could to try and get to pray for his conversion. And, you know, um, so these are saints that typically when we see them, they have been given European features, and you don't so you don't recognize where they're from, but um, he's a doctor known as the Doctor of Grace, and he's he was one of one of the first he's one known one known as one of the first uh, the four Latin fathers. So he's the first he's in that first four there were made bishop. He was one of those along with Saint Ambrose, and um, I'm trying to remember who the other two who the two were who originally were Saint Gregory the Great and Saint Jerome. So those were the first four doctors of the church, you know, right there at the end of the 13th century. 
And of course, uh, here in the month of November, we also celebrated um, at the beginning of the month, the Feast of St. Martin de Porres, uh, uh, obviously somebody who's uh, uh, quite uh, important in your own life uh, since you were named after St. Martin de Porres. Yeah, I, I attribute my, my name to my mother's wisdom because when I was named after him, he was the blessed. Um, and in May of 1962, um, Pope John the XXIII um, canonized him as a saint. And so I was about uh, a little over a year old by then because I was born in April of 61. And my mother knew I would need a lot of help to get me through this life, so she named me after a good, a good person. And he's he's... If you don't know much about St. Martin de Porres, he was a Dominican, a lay Dominican, and um, he was born, his father was a Spanish noble, and his mother was a, was a free mulatto woman, and he um, was, was not, because, he, because his mother was, was, was free, he was not, was, had been a slave, he was not able to um, become a priest, so he became a lay brother, and he was you know he worked he also apprenticed as a barber because if you know anything about that time that that part of history, if you were a barber, that made you basically the doctor of the community. So he also worked on people and animals. He's typically seen with pictures with with, with him with with, with um, doing caring for people's like maybe along somebody somebody was in the bed with an animal with them. Um, he was a very humble man. And even though he was asked to become a friar, he 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 never he he did not want to do that. He 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 just stayed as a as a, as a third order Dominican. And he's um you know, he's been he was um a good friend of Saint Rose of Lima. They lived at the same time there in Peru. Um, but um, he took care of people and very very humble. He lived to lived into his sixties, and he was. One of the first people that the people recognize as a uh, saint out of Africa. Deacon Martin, how, how uh, has uh, Black Catholic History Month been celebrated this year? Um, it, it varies from diocese to diocese. Um, the project I'm working on is called Voices of Our People, Past and Present. And I started this back in March of 2020. Um, on, I did my first first session on March 7th, and 10 days later, everybody knows the world shut down because of COVID. So what I'm working on doing now is I'm rebooting that project to um, create a traveling exhibit that shows this. But um, you can go on different dioceses and websites. Um, Indianapolis has, a, has, has, has some stuff that they have going on. Um, in Arlington, Virginia, they have a really good... Um, uh, display on their on their on their diocese diocese website here in Gary you know um, Saint Monica's Luke, which is the historically uh, historically black parish within the diocese, um, is um, we have a common bulletin between the four parishes in Gary, and there was a picture put in there where that showed um, the, the there are six um, saints out of Africa, six people out of Africa, and one African American who are to um, who are in the cause for canonization, and their images were on there. And I put together a package that explained who they were and told their story. And we got um, those. <clears throat> you know, you've got those people, and you've got um, three. Also, the, in the image, they have three saints. We have um, we have um, Saint Peter Claver who was a Jesuit who was known as the, the priest of the slaves because he worked he helped people on the slave ships. 
out of Africa, um, and then you had you had um, St. Martin de Porsche's image was there, and also St. Catherine Drexel, who was who took her who was an heiress from Philadelphia, who took her fortune and started the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, who helped blacks and Indians across the nation. Um, so that was that was an image that was there. Um, the, and the names of the six people that are on the cause for canonization are we have um we have Deacon I, I do have them have, here in front of me from uh, from the um the info that you uh, that you shared with us uh, the six African American men and women uh, who are up for canonization uh, venerable Pierre Toussaint uh, yes. Servant of of God, uh, Mayor, uh, Mother Mary Lang, uh, yes. Venerable uh, uh, Sister Henriette uh, DeLille, uh, Servant of God, Julia Greeley, uh, Venerable Father Augustus Tolton, and Servant of God, um, Sister Thea Bowman. Um, yes. Probably the most recognizable name there is Father Augustus Tolton, uh, who we have talked about uh, here on the show in the past. Uh, just uh, an incredible uh, a priest uh, who overcame so much to, to become really the first black diocesan priest in, in our country. Well, actually, he was the second. Because the first, the first he, 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 was, he, he was actually born a slave, but the first black priest was um, Bishop Healy. And he was, uh, he was actually, he actually was um, ordained back in the, in the, in the 1800s. And he became the Bishop of Maine, Bishop in, in, in Portland, Maine. He was the first priest, but he was passing because his, his father was a freed Irishman. His father was an Irishman. And his mother, well, again, was a, was a, was a mulatto. So he was light skinned. And because of his skin color, nobody really knew his heritage. But he's, he was actually the first, um, I would say, first person um, uh, from, in, from America uh, who would, would actually receive all three levels of ordination, which are to be ordained a deacon, to then to be ordained to the presbytery, which is the priest, and the order of the episcopacy, which is the bishop. So he received all three. How have uh, folks received uh, your teachings and, and sharing uh, this great history of, of the people of Africa as such an important part of the heritage of our Catholic faith? Um, people are very interested. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to work. I'm, I'm re- we're really working on reorganizing what I'm going to do and to just trying to get out, get the word out to people, and probably, possibly, probably will sometime in the near future be starting a YouTube channel where we'll be doing some pieces on different saints from Africa um, and bring, bring these people to light. And I'm also working on trying to figure out how to put together funding to build a traveling exhibit where you can, where we can, where I can go to parishes that are. Um, close, starting out by going to places that are really close to me, say in Indianapolis, South Bend, Chicago, Fort Wayne Diocese, places I can drive to in a day, um, and do presentations there, plus do presentations locally here in my diocese. Ultimately, the National Black Congress, which will, was supposed to be this summer, but will actually be in July of 2023 in Washington, D.C. area, I'd like to be able to have that traveling exhibit ready to go to D.C., so people can see at least a partial or par- par- well, partial exhibit of some of these people and know, and come to know some of some of them. 
Uh, Deacon, we need to take a, a short break. We have much more uh, to talk about as we continue our conversation uh, about uh, the many saints and souls of Africa and the African diaspora at the end here of Black Catholic History Month with Deacon Martin Brown. Stay with us. There's much more to come on Morning Air after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 46 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us as we continue our conversation with Deacon Martin Brown, permanent deacon for the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. We're talking about celebrating the saints and souls of Africa and the African diaspora here at the end of Black Catholic History Month, which is the month of November. Deacon Martin, welcome back. Hello, John. Um... The African diaspora, and the diaspora is a word that has Greek and Latin origins, and in Greek, it, diaspora means scattering, and Latin sporos means uh, the act of scattering. So basically, starting with the Arab slave trade in the 8th century, um, people were began taking people out of Africa and, be, and moving them out east into China and India and um and selling people there. That slave trade actually still exists today, even though most people think slavery has been outlawed in the world. We now call it human trafficking, and it's not always, um, as people would say, part of um, the, the, the sex trade, but it's also still selling people in, into um, bondage for um, maids and um, hard labor and stuff like that. Um, so that, that, that's just, that still exists. There's a recent saint, that comes out of that tradition would be Saint Josephine Bakita, who was ordained in who was I'm sorry, canonized in 1947, and she lived at the early part, of, um, the late part of the 18th century, 19th century, and into the 20th century in Italy, but she was born in the Sudan. So the the African people have been being spread all over the world for about um, 15 centuries, and. We're about half of the world's population. When they look at the you know look at their DNA and their genetics, they trace that back back to Africa. And in fact, from a historical perspective, the, the people of Africa have been an integral part of, of both the Old and the New Testament. There's mentions, references uh, to Ethiopia, for example, uh, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That that is correct. And there's, there's also mentions of other Africa. There's the, other African people, the Kushites, who are mentioned prominently in the Old Testament, Kush is a, a community that was um, in the north, in the East Africa on the um, of the, the Nile River, and it was basically a kingdom that was on the northern end of the Nile. But it's mentioned um, often in, in the Old Testament, in, in Genesis, and many of the other books in, in, in the Old Testament. So there's a lot of references to people from Africa. We talk about Nubians. You have um, the Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopians are mentioned quite prominently. You know Eritrea. Um, we talk about they talk about that. There, there's a lot of mention of um, 
of people that are in, from East Africa and Central Africa in the in the Bible. From what I understand, there's also a, a few popes that were uh, born in Africa and led the early church uh, through a lot of turmoil and persecution. Can you talk about a few of those popes? Well, we, um, Pope Victor, who was the first pope from Africa, he was actually um, the one who, who's kind of settled the way we, way, we, way we celebrate Easter. Because at that time, Easter was celebrated by most of the world on the 14th Sunday of the month of Nisan, the way the way it's called out in the, in the Old Testament as far as um, Passover and all that goes, and and whatever day of the week it fell on, that's how they celebrated it. Well, he's the one who set the set that we it would be celebrated um, on a Sunday, and he so he was the, he was the first pope um, that was born out of Africa, and there've been actually been three, and the second one would have been. Um, St. Glenitis, and, no, he's actually, he's, he's the third. But actually in Chicago, there was a parish with that name, St. Glenitis, and it's now known as Christ the King. But it's on the south side, on, and it happens to be on Drexel Street, which is named after the Drexel family. But um, he's old. Those are, those are some of the popes, and they, they've all, they've often, they were, they were, they were, they were part of council, ecumenical councils, which in the early church, ecumenical councils were, were, were fairly, they happened fairly often. And they got together and then they they, they 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 preached against heresies and things of that nature. Um, they, they, you know, called called to fight to, to challenge heresies and just decide how do we do this Christian thing because God gave it to us, but He didn't give us an instruction manual. So there's quite a number of councils that were 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 that, that where you had um, bishops who were out of Africa who were prominent. Um, Saint Irenaeus was one of those. You know the first council of Nicaea, Saint Irenaeus, who was also a doctor of the church. He was um, a secretary to the bishop from Alexandria, and three years later, when the bishop passed away, he was named as the bishop. And he was only about thirty years old when he was named the bishop of Alexandria, and he had a quite troubling um, episcopacy because he was run out of his diocese five times, and of course, and throughout the course of his life. But he he um, he he was um, a really uh, Battled against the Arian heresy, which was one, which was very prominent um, way of thinking um, of, of, of about the divinity of Christ. One of the things that really um, impressed me when I, I was preparing to, to talk to you, uh, Deacon, was uh, the, the fact that there are over 900 African and black saints, blessed, venerables, and servants of God. I, I don't think that the average Catholic has any idea of that uh, vast number. Yeah, we have over 20,000 named saints in the church, so that, that would say that about 10% of the named saints in the church are probably out of Africa at least, um, and you know we tend to think of things as being from from Europe. But I mean, honestly, when you when you look at where where the apostles and Jesus were walking and talking, they were talking in East Africa. They, you know that's where what we call now call the Middle East. But um, and the Middle East is the land in between Africa and the Far East. But um, that's that, that's where that's where Jerusalem is. That's where you know the, the Egyptian the the um, Egyptian Empire was. Um, Alexander con- Alexander con- conquered that whole area. So we've heard about it, 
but he goes by so many different names. And if you're not if you're not decent at geography, you don't always recognize where people come from. Uh, earlier, we you mentioned uh, this the six African American men and women that are up for canonization. Uh, one of them is Venerable Father Augustus Tolton. Why is his story so important in this day and age, at these times in which uh, uh, we're living? Why do you think that his story needs to be told? He was a young man who, um, like I say, was born in slavery, and um, he wanted to be a priest. And he had to actually go to Rome to study because when when, when they were the seminaries in America were told that if you accept him, we'll burn your seminary to the ground. And so he had to go to Rome to study, and he never wanted to come back to America because he had been treated so poorly here. But why is Cardinal in in in, in assigning him because he wanted to go to Africa and be a missionary in Africa? He said, if America is such a self-righteous place, let's see how they will treat their black priest. And when you look at his story, they didn't treat him very well because he originally was sent to the Alton Diocese where he was not received well by the presbytery, but he was received well by the people, and that caused some jealousy within the presbytery, presbytery being the priest of the, of the diocese. He um, asked to be reassigned to Chicago and the bishop in Chicago said, yes, he would accept him, but he had to be released because of, um, through his ordination, he was ordained into a society, which, a pontifical society, that he had to get, get his release from Rome to actually be able to go to Chicago. But he was ultimately released to go to Chicago. Um, he, he was a priest on the south side of Chicago, and again, he wasn't treated very well, and people didn't, priests didn't care for him. Um, because he worked for the people, and actually he died on the streets of Chicago. He had a massive heart attack in in in, in July of I'm not I think it was in the 1890s. But he just he he you know he worked he died from exhaustion from doing so much work, and you know he's still you know I mean to be honest in in the church today African Americans aren't really treated any better than he was. That's uh, most unfortunate to, to, to hear that. And uh, he overcame uh, so much adversity uh, to, to become a priest. Uh, what really stands out to you uh, about the life of Venerable Father Augustus Tolton? Um, his tenacity, just to stick with it, you know, to be a servant of God or to be, you know, to be ordained as I am as a deacon, you know, you're ordained for the service of God's holy people. And that doesn't just mean, in my case, doesn't mean the people at the Cathedral of the Holy Angels. I mean, I work for the people of the diocese. I work for people anywhere. You don't, you don't even have to be Catholic for me to, to take you to, to do to work for you. I mean, I do. I take people on Fridays. I, we, I work at a soup kitchen, and I take people lunches after the soup kitchen who are homebound. And they're not all Catholic. Some of them are just people who can't get out, and if somebody tells me where somebody is, I will put them on my list and make sure they get something to eat. And when we have our food pantry, if they need food, I will make sure they get food. You know, so we're not just trying to take care of Catholics. I'm trying to take care of God's people in all walks of life. Can you share with us uh, some final thoughts uh, here as we uh, conclude the, the month of November, uh, the month in which we're celebrating black Catholic history? Well, um, I would just like people to you know they, they can take um, just, just take some time and, and get to know get to know the faith and get to know who who people are, who these saints are. Um, many of them are, are celebrated on our calendar. Most of the Black Catholics, the, the African saints, are actually out of the Eastern Rite. 
which there are 23 rights that are in full communion with Rome. And so a lot of them may come out of those rights, but we they appear on, on our calendar as well as the, Eastern, the, 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 the those Eastern Orthodox communities' calendars. There's just a, a rich history. Uh, I mean, Catholic means universal. And so we have to realize that it, means that everybody's included and that was that's the way it is in scripture you know you know when jesus went to the jews first and they they rejected him he turned to the gentiles i mean we have we have all these people who are not necessarily born into a faith but they can they convert to it and through their dedication and hard work they changed an empire well, Deacon, we'll have to leave it right there. We're just out of time. But thanks so much uh, for being with us. Uh, thanks for your perspective here on uh, Catholic Black History Month. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Happy Advent. Happy Bye. Advent. Uh, Deacon Martin Brown. Now it's time for another Glenn Story Corner. Our story today, as we continue our series of Advent stories, eight gifts that do not cost a cent. Number one, the gift of listening. But you must really listen. No interrupting, no daydreaming, no planning your response, just listening. Number two, the gift of affection. Be generous with appropriate hugs, kisses, pats on the back, and hand holds. Let these small actions demonstrate the love that you have for family and friends. Number three, the gift of laughter. Clip cartoons, share articles, funny stories. Your gift will say, I'd love to laugh with you. Number four, the gift of a written note. A brief handwritten note may be remembered for a lifetime, may even change a life. Number five on our list of eight gifts that do not cost a cent, the gift of a compliment. A simple and sincere, you look great in red. You did a super job or that was a wonderful meal can make someone's day. Number six, the gift of a favor. Every day, go out of your way to do something kind. Number seven, the gift of solitude. There are times when we want nothing better than to be left alone. Be sensitive to those times and give the gift of solitude to others. Number eight, the gift of a cheerful disposition. The easiest way to feel good is to extend a kind word to someone. Really, it's not that hard to say hello or thank you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 reminds us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Thanks so much, Glenn. Stay with us. There's much more to come next hour here on Morning Air.